I went under the water and I was trying to stay above the water and I kept on going down and I thought, I remember the vividly remember the thought where I thought, oh, heck, yeah, I don't think I'm going to be able to survive this. I'm going down and I can't get back up for another breath. And I thought I'd gone down for the last breath and um, it was like a miracle to be honest with you, because I thought, okay, I've gone down for the last time. Someone's going to find my body wrapped up in a tree on the side of the Whanganui River somewhere later on. But um, as I went down for that last time and was struggling to get to the surface, my feet hit a, uh, a sandbank in the river. This is Aotearoa Adventures with your host, Abigail Hanna, the podcast for everything you need to know to travel New Zealand. I talk to photographers, van lifers, mums, students and everyday Kiwis to hear their inspiring stories from past adventures and to share helpful tips and tricks for your travels. Whether you're visiting Aotearoa for the first time and live on the road or you work a 9 to 5 and have lived in New Zealand your whole life, you're guaranteed to learn something to plan your next getaway and get a new excitement to explore more of this beautiful country I call home. So grab your hiking boots, hop in the car and turn up the volume. Kia ora. today I am sitting down with Russell um, and he has adventured all around the North Island and all across New Zealand and across Europe as well. So I'm really looking forward to hearing some of his stories because I haven't heard them before. But um, Russell, do you want to introduce yourself? Yeah, I'm uh, Russell Jennings. Uh, I live in Auckland, Swanson. And um, yeah, we live on a block of land that we thoroughly enjoy with the rest of the family. We're recording this episode in person, which is awesome because usually they're virtual. So I'm sitting in a beautiful log cabin, which you built yourself. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, it took me six and a half years, but yep. Yeah. In my spare time, but we've got a log house. Yep. <laughs> Where did that idea sort of come from to have a log cabin? I wanted to live in a rural area and I had a house already and I decided I couldn't afford to build a house without a massive mortgage the conventional way, and then yeah. I decided that I'd try building a log cabin because the logs only cost me kind of, you know, a few thousand dollars and um, just a lot more labour and then you just stack them on top of each other and you got yourself a house. And yeah. so it was a lot cheaper to do it that way with the labour than it was to build a conventional house. So. Yeah, that was so interesting and it's absolutely beautiful. Um, yeah, so tell us a little bit about your childhood, Russell. Where did you grow up? Um, where did your sense of adventure sort of start? Yeah, um, my childhood was really quite interesting. My father was in the Air Force, and so we got transferred around New Zealand quite a lot. Um, we started in Christchurch, and we went to Wellington. And in Wellington, we lived up in the hills in Nainai, in Lower Hutt. And behind our house was um, miles and miles of um, fire breaks and tracks that we could yeah. explore. And then we moved to Whanuapai, uh, living in the married quarters at Whanuapai, and Behind our house was just paddocks for kind of kilometres and yeah. streams and creeks and um, things like that. So I loved adventure, even to the point where I wagged school just for some adventure. <laughs> um, did you have siblings as well that were your sort of partners in crime or? Uh, no, just some very good friends and yeah. that sort of stuff. Yeah. yeah, yeah, from school. That yeah, you're pretty close quarters when you're living in a married quarters. Yeah, um, you know. Your other friends are all kind of either in the army or in the air force, and so you you, you hang out together a lot. Mm-hmm. So. That's awesome. Um, so you've done a bit of cycling. You've done some long hikes. Um, yep. Do you remember maybe your first sort of multi-day hike that you went on? 
I, I did a lot of hunting in the central North Island, mm-hmm. and um, and then I took my wife and a couple of friends into a place called the Boyd Lodge, right in the middle of the Kaimanawas. Okay. Yeah. And uh, and while we were in there, we were going to trek out to where the where we'd park the car. And when I was in there, some people arrived in the hut, and they had one tiny little map, and they says, "Oh, we're walking across the middle of the North Island, you know, from coast to coast." And I thought, "Yeah, it sounds like a good idea," and um, that kind of stuck with me. And then we 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 trekked out, and I said to my wife, "I says, I think I'm going to do kind of a trek across the North Island." Mm. So we started at, at Bayview and Napier, touched yeah. the water there, and then yeah. trekked along the roads, and then up over Kawika Jay and the in the um, car workers yeah, and visited huts and stopped at huts all the way through and um, crossed the Kaimanawas and we got to the desert, to the um, desert road. Desert road, yeah. yeah. And, um, and then I hitchhiked a little uh, three or four kilometres with a, um, <laughs> a bunch of guys, Maori guys. We had to push out their ute to get them going again uh, and they awesome. dropped me off and <laughs> I started on the track and went through to uh, National Park yeah. between Narahui and Ruapehu. Were you doing all of this by yourself or did you have mates um, along with you? Yeah, at times I had f- friends and family yeah. came with me and that sort of stuff. Um, one of my friends freaked out. We were so far away from any civilization that he says, I've got to get out of here, you know what I mean? So, <laughs> <laughs> And so he, he had to leave Yeah, and, and I kept going. And then from National Park we went through Eruru and I had my daughter drop me off mm-hmm. at, at the end of the road down there. And I started walking. And, well, it was quite a traumatic experience. So there was no track. So I, I was right. crossing farms. And then I got to the Whanganui River. And the night before I got to the Whanganui River, the um, there was torrential rain. Mm-hmm. And I thought, oh, heck, the river's going to be high. So the next morning I looked at the river and go, Oh, wow. And so the long and the short of it is I had my backpack with me and as a security measure, I had a a piece of cord wrapped around my wrist connecting me to my backpack. But for some reason, the cord was a bit longer and I didn't want to cut it. So I got into the river and then started swimming across, pushing my backpack with me. Yeah. And halfway across the river, the um, cord got wrapped around my ankles and I couldn't kick my legs to get to the surface again because fresh water is a lot less buoyant than mm-hmm. salt water. And I went under the water and I was trying to stay above the water and I kept on going down and I thought, I remember the vividly remember the thought where I thought, oh, heck, you know, I don't think I'm going to be able to survive this. I'm going down and I can't get back up for another breath. And I thought I'd gone down for the last breath and um, it was like a miracle to be honest with you, because I thought, okay, I've gone down for the last time. Someone's going to find my body wrapped up in a tree on the side of the Whanganui River somewhere later on. But um, as I went down for that last time and was struggling to get to the surface, my feet hit a, uh, a sandbank in wow. the river, wow. and I managed to push myself up, grabbed another breath, and could fight a bit longer, and then I got sucked into an eddy on the opposite side of the river. Yeah. And... Um, and kind of it literally quite saved my life. And so I climbed ashore on the other side of the river and started pack, unpacking my pack to kind of get all the wet stuff. That's um, amazing that you still sort of, had your bag with you. Yeah, well, the cord, the cord was yeah. a saviour, but it also was a hindrance yeah. with the, yeah. you know, tugging the, constantly tugging the rope tight around mm. my ankle. Mm. 
And, um, and anyway, so I got out of the river and I'm sitting there feeling sorry for myself. And then I hear this, hello, and then blow me down, a bunch of um, kids and a couple of teachers were coming down the river in Canadian canoes. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. and they says, oh, you're all right? And I says, oh, no, I've had a bit of problems. And they says, oh, we're going to beach around the corner there. So we beached, they, they beached around the corner and I went around there and they gave me a piece of fruitcake. And I'm going, whoa, <laughs> you know, this is awesome. And and then they says, well, where are you going? And I says, I'm crossing the North Island. And they go, oh, wow, you know, told them all about it. And he says, look, we'll drop you off at the Ongyonga, um, you know, ramp where, yeah. where you get to climb out of the river and then you go up into the hills. And um, so I went up there and um, stayed at a cabin and then walked through to the uh, to the west coast. Wow. Yes. Yeah, so, yeah, so I made it. So, it was, so I think it was yeah. 317 kilometres altogether. Yeah. So yeah. whereabouts on the west coast did you finish up? Um, to Slightly south of Tahora, there was a kind of okay. like the last bit was all roads. It was just yeah. too rugged to go kind of you know over the hills, and it yeah. was farmland too. And so I, I did it all on on roads at the last mm. bit. So, how yeah. long How long did that whole journey take? Uh, I think I did the whole journey in in fourteen days. Wow! Yeah, That's but it, I, I wasn't in a hurry. I just wanted yeah. to do it, you know. And yeah. many many of the times it was there was no tracks at all. You just had mm. to you know go by compass and dead reckoning, and there was no GPSs in those days either. Yeah. So. How long ago was it when you did this? <laughs> Yeah, it, it must have been kind of maybe 10 years ago, yeah. 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 No, that's really cool. Um, and where did the uh, – I suppose you told us where that idea came from when you bumped into some other people yeah, and they that's said right, that yeah. they have been doing the I never thing. did find out yeah. whether they'd got there or not. Yeah, that was so funny. <laughs> um, have you also done the Te Araroa Trail, which is sort of north to south across – no, it's New too organised for me. Yeah, it's not rugged enough. <laughs> yeah, I, I like it's all on tracks. I like going where no people are. Yeah, you know what I mean, and just doing my thing. Mm. I like following a compass or yeah, yeah, that sort of thing. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Um, what other sort of adventures have you had around New Zealand? Um, well, I've done a lot of cycling. I've done Taupo mm. quite a few times over the years. I even did a uh, four times around the lake in one go. Um, but uh, yeah, I've been in the car workers. I've yeah. you know in the Waitakeries. I've kind of virtually lived in the Waitakeries when I was a teenager, yeah. and yeah. up in Woodhill Forest, just adventuring in my Land Rover and and hiking and cycling up through the Woodhill Forest. It's, That's awesome. Yeah, anywhere that takes my fancy, I I go and conquer. Yeah. Um, have you ever taken your family around with you, with your kids or your wife? Or yes, yeah, I made a point um, of when my my kids uh, reached their teenage years um, before they left home and things like that. I'd take them on a one-on-one oh, trip awesome, into yeah. the into the hills, and yeah. um, you know, Daniel, my son, and Christy, uh, my um, my daughter, my oldest daughter. I took them into the hills as well. We flew in by helicopter or flew out by helicopter, mm. but I teach them navigation, mm-hmm. survival things, you know, and shooting yeah. deer and things like that, and um, just to give them an appreciation of what it's like to be in nature without yeah, any support 100%. apart from what you're carrying on your back. Yeah. yeah. And so they learnt a lot. And it, it was character building for them as well. Mm. Yeah. Did they love you for it or hate you for it? <laughs> oh, no. The, yeah. I mean, it was – some of it was difficult, yes, yeah. I must admit. But often the, the lessons I used to teach them were, were quite interesting because I'd say, right, okay, now you navigate to the next place. So yeah. I showed them the map where we had to go. And um, if they made a mistake, we'd often go for a couple of hours in the wrong direction 
And I go, so you sure you know where you are? And they go, oh, I'm not sure now. And I says, oh, okay, so we're going to have to backtrack for a couple of hours. <laughs> and so it's a lesson they learned that kind of if you make a mistake, you have to correct it. Mm. And it and there's a cost to what involved yeah. in it, you know, yeah. especially yeah. when you're carrying a big pack on your back. You know? Yeah, definitely. So, <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's really awesome. Yeah. I think it's really cool to be able to sort of pass that um, sense yeah. of adventure on. Yeah. To your but kids. It, yeah, and it's character building for the children. Yeah. You know what I mean? To, yeah. to be able to say, right, I know how to survive mm. in the bush with mm. what I've got on my back. Yeah. So, yeah. When you walked the width of the North Island, was did you? How did food work? Most way? of the time, it was bringing my own food. Yeah. 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 So I, I, I never carried a gun because mm. you know, it's not the point of being there. It was, to, it was a trick that I mm. needed to do. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. And did you have sort of spots that you picked that you had food drops or? Essentially because of my friend in the beginning that wanted to get out, I could resupply when I went back in again mm-hmm. and things like that. So yeah. when I went through National Park, yeah, I could buy kind of stuff I needed yeah. to keep going. Yeah. yeah, that's awesome. Carried most of it on my back, yeah. yeah. And um, were you able to sort of keep in contact with family and let them know you were safe after uh, the Nui River ordeal? Or? <laughs> I remember standing on top of the hut at, up in the Onga Hills and on the Onga Ranges and um, there was no reception for this primitive little cell phone I had. And I was standing on the roof of the hut balancing up there with my hand above my head yeah, trying yeah. to talk to Cass. <laughs> kind of my wife and get her to come and get me because it had been rather traumatic. And it brings to mind another one in through there after I got out of the river and mm. there was a um, a, a massive heavy rainstorm that night mm. and it was in my pup tent and I'd actually walked on this trail that was going through to the coast and the rain was so heavy that all the water started seeping in the, the floor of my tent. Oh, wow, yeah. And I thought, oh, wow. And I'm trying to sleep on top of my pack that's on the bottom yeah. of this soaking floor. And in the middle of the night, it was so loud, the rain on the tent, that I could scream and you, I wouldn't hear myself screaming. That was how, you know, torrential really the rain heavy, was. Yeah. And then shortly after midnight, I remember waking up and I hear this rumbling, crashing, grinding sound. I go, what the heck's that? And I wake up the next morning and I'm, I'm up at, you know, early again. And I go 200 metres around from where I'd camped. And the whole hillside had come down wow. and into the river. Wow. And if I'd taken that extra two hundred meters into the next little gully around around the the ridge, yeah. it could have been me gone into the river. And I'm going, wow! Who scary. says there's no God? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's really scary. Yeah, it's a, it was quite an amazing trip. Yeah. yeah, you've had some adventures further afield as well overseas. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, tell us what you did in Europe. Yeah, well, my Swiss brother-in-law um, said to me, he says, oh, why don't we do a trip, you know, a cycling trip through through Europe? He says, oh, yeah, that sounds good. And so we decided that we were going to do 10 countries. So we, I flew to Switzerland, and and then we from, flew from Switzerland up to Norway. Mm-hmm. And so we we rode as far north as we could get up to the Barents Sea, yeah. or Norcap, they called the place. Yeah. And um, you took another 30 steps, you probably would have got wet in the Barents Sea. And so we started from there and then we rode south through Norway yeah. and through into Finland and then into Russia, which was a rather interesting experience. And so one we'd only been half a day into Russia and we're on the back roads and we're 
riding along and I said to Chris, what are all these potholes? How on earth do you drive a car through here, you know, because there's these great big potholes on the road. And we never thought any more about it because we were on bikes and so we could swerve around it. And then it was coming on evening and says, well, let's set up camp. Yeah. And so we set up camp and we'd had our dinner and we were writing in our diaries just on dark and all of a sudden there's an incredible explosion, you know, really close by and we're going, what the heck was that? And um, from there on in for another two and a half hours, there was machine guns going off, you know, very close by, uh, airburst explosions, kind of flares going off, tanks, you could hear tanks moving around. We're going, I'm texting my wife going, uh, I'm not sure that we're going to get through this because there's explosions and all that sort of stuff going on around and I don't even know what's happening. And then I said to one particularly loud explosion close by, I said to Chris, I says, Chris, Chris, and I gave him a nudge and blow me down. <laughs> My brother-in-law's going, and he was asleep because he was so tired. And uh, so anyway, that night I, we, you know, we eventually got to sleep. Yeah. And we woke up the next morning and we pushed our bikes out onto the road. And we'd only done three or four kilometres up the road, and either side of this this tiny little road was lined with tanks and armoured cars and troop carriers and soldiers, and every single soldier in this line of trucks watched us ride by, and it made the hair on the top of my head stand on me, you know, <laughs> going, whoa. And we realised that we'd parked ourselves right on the edge of a live-firing military training ground <laughs> in northern Russia, so... That's crazy. Yeah. It doesn't get quite that exciting in little old New Zealand. <laughs> no, it doesn't, no. Um, yeah. So did you end up doing those 10 countries? We did, yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. We, we went through – we started in Norway, went through Finland, through Russia, into Belarus, and then to Poland, and Netherlands, Germany, um, France, Belgium, um, and then into Switzerland, back into Switzerland again. Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah. So how many how many days was that trip? We did that in uh, oh, oh, weeks. Yeah, I think it was six and a half, seven weeks. I think yeah. it took us. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But it was six thousand six hundred kilometers we did in that in that trek. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Have you had some similar adventures in New Zealand on your bike as well? Yeah, yeah. I've actually I've cycled in the North Island extensively. There's yeah. probably not many roads that I haven't actually ridden yeah. on. Yeah. And um, but I've also done the length of New Zealand too because like, you can't go overseas and not say you've done the length of New Zealand as yeah. well. But uh, how yeah. long how long did that trip take? Um, that was I think was, I think it took us seven days. I think from wow. Bluff yeah. to Auckland, and then I I did the other one separately yeah. on, on my own without my Swiss brother-in-law with yeah. me. That's pretty impressive. I had someone on the podcast a little while ago who had done it the other way around from north oh, yeah, to south. Yeah. Um, I think it was 22 days. All right. It was a father and daughter that had done the cycle. So yeah. sounded like um, they had a few issues with saddle sores. Oh, um, right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure as a cyclist you've had some similar experiences. Oh, yeah. You get a tough butt after a while. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, that's really cool. What was one of the most memorable things about cycling? Um, the length of New Zealand. The length of New Zealand. The South Island. I loved the South Island. Mm. I thought this is such a magic place. Yeah, really did. And um, but I learned all about sandflies in the South Island because oh, I yes. thought oh, I work smart. So I had a mosquito net with me to keep us safe, you know, from the the sandflies. 
well, I'm lying in bed, kind of in my sleeping bag, and I'm looking at the mesh, and all the sand, all the sand flies are all flying around, and one lands on the thing, on the mesh, and all of a sudden he pokes his little head through the <laughs> hole in the mosquito net, and then squeezes his way through, and I'm going. Oh well, so much for that, you know what I mean? Oh, no the mosqui- it doesn't stop the sand flies. I found out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you watched it squeeze its way through. <laughs> what do they say? Kind of a thousand sand flies can carry a person around in oh, the South Island if yeah. they wanted to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, did you go up the west coast when you did that? We trip? did. We yeah. went up through Hokitika, yeah. through Haast, up through there, um, and then Hokitika and up, and then through to Blenheim. Mm-hmm. And we stayed at Picton for a couple of days. And uh, and then crossed the ferry and then rode north. Yeah. 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 But the South Island was magic. It's a beautiful place. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. One of the memorable ones that I, I trained for a whole year because I wanted to do the Max Enduro race around Taupo, okay. which is four times around the lake yeah. nonstop. Yeah. So I trained for that and um, on a bicycle. On a push bike. Yep. 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 And so, yeah, I started that, and 29 hours later, I did 640Ks um, around Lake Taupo yeah. four times. Yeah. Yep. And there are a couple other people as crazy as you that were also there doing were. that. There <laughs> were. Yes, there were other people. Uh, one guy beat me by a couple of hours. Oh. Um, because I decided I was going to halfway through the night, I'd have a, have a sleep, you know, just on the side of the road with my wife as a backup. Mm-hmm. And, um, and he didn't have to sleep. He just kept going. Yeah. And so that put him ahead of me. That's pretty crazy. Um, were you doing that one with a couple of mates as well? Or was no, that- it was solo. Yeah. yeah it was all awesome. solo, yeah. 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 So all told, I think I've done Taupo 14 times. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, over the years, just because it's fun and it's and a are challenge. You, are you going to do it again? <laughs> um, I've got two new knees now, and I – could do it if I go. wanted to, but I'm not sure. With COVID and all that sort of stuff, it's, it's shut everything down. I think mm. it's starting again this year, mm. but I'll, I'll have to think about that because mm. I'll need to kind of uh, get my legs up into condition again. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, it sounds like you've done heaps of awesome things around New Zealand. Is there anything else that you still sort of have on your bucket list? That yeah, I've got to do the Nullarbor. Yeah, what, yep. tell us about that. It's because it's there. Yeah. yeah. And it's a long way. I've done from um, from Esperance down in Western Australia to Perth. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, when I was over there, I thought, gee, I'd really love to ride the Nullarbor. So I, I think one stage or other I'll fly into Adelaide mm-hmm. and then I'll um, ride along the Nullarbor. I think it's only 1,200 k, so okay. it should be quite easy to do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that sounds really cool. Yeah, but that's my dream, Nullarbor. That's the next one. Yeah. Oh, Awesome. Um, and what do you do for work and how is that sort of how have you managed to fit your adventures in around that? Um, I've been a mechanic all my life. Yeah. Um, but I've worked for 33 years for the AA breakdown service in Auckland mm-hmm. and um, fixing cars and that sort of stuff. And doing shift work, that allowed me time to train and things like that. Mm. So, yeah, uh, I'm retired now, but uh, still there's a lot of adventures I'd like to do, a lot of yeah. dreams still. Yeah. And you built – this house while you were yep. having a full-time job as well. So yeah, that's, that's pretty right. Yeah, well, shift work helps like that, you know. When yeah. you're working night shifts and that sort of stuff, yeah. you can get a lot of stuff done in the day. But it took me six and a half years. So, But, hey, we've got a house in it. Yeah, well, yeah. it's beautiful. <laughs> what else have you done with the kids? With the kids? Oh, we always always used to go on family holidays, you know, yeah. into remote spots, you know. Yeah. Um, Is that sort of every Christmas you'd go away as a family or? Whenever possible, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 The summer holidays, yeah. 
I yeah. remember going to Tafranui with the kids when they oh, were young and we forgot to take the bat with us for softball. Yeah. And we were in the tents and that sort of stuff and I said, oh, they said, what are we going to do? We need a bat. And so <laughs> we got the fry pan out and um, yeah. we were playing softball with a fry pan and it was hilarious because we all cracked up laughing because every time someone hit the ball, there was a loud bong from, <laughs> from the fry pan. Yeah. And we used to get the, all the up in the sand dunes and that sort of stuff. We'd get kind of things and we'd slide down the sand dunes and yeah. the grassy banks. And, yeah, Tafranui yeah. is so it beautiful. Good. It's definitely one of my favourite spots. Yeah. Um, did you sort of try to go to a different place every holiday? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We had our favourite places, but mm-hmm. we'd we'd try you know, mm. all sorts of places. What were some there. of your favourites? Oh, Tafranui is the most favourite, but then a lot of the regional parks were quite good as mm. well. You know, and we went to Waikaremawana at times. We, you know, we've done quite a lot of work, you know, walking around Lake Waikaremawana, mm. and um, and take the kids with us. It was a bit of an education for them walking yeah. right around the whole lake yeah. and coming back. I think my wife. Blames me for wrecking her knees coming down the Panakeri's <laughs> hills um, at the end of the lake. So, <laughs> yeah, no, oh, that's awesome that that the whole family gets involved with oh, these yeah, sorts yeah. of things, and you can yeah. sort of share that passion with yeah. people that you love. I think it creates a special sort of person when you mm. when you include your kids and your family. You know, and the outdoor expeditions mm. and things like that. You know, it teaches them a. There's a toughness that you have to have mm. to do what you got to do, and um, yeah, yeah, and it's blossoming in our children now. So yeah, it's awesome. Do you find that that's something that your parents sort of passed on to you as well, or was it more just getting out there Not by yourself? Really, no. Yeah. Yeah. No. It was. It was just my passion for the outdoors, mm. and the kids tagged along. Yeah. And we just roughed it and kind of enjoyed life. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's awesome. Tell us a little bit about your hunting adventures as well. Yeah, I must admit, yeah, I um, hunted in the uh, car workers, mainly in um, the hut called Otutu, uh, and I've been doing it for with my friends. So I've got six other mates that we, every April, we yeah. go in for a hunt into Otutu. We fly by helicopter oh, that's awesome. into there, and I just love it's. My wife didn't understand for quite a number of years that it wasn't about me escaping from the family when I went on these on these hunts and that sort of stuff. It was about a chance to recharge my battery. Mm. Some people might be able to understand that. She didn't until until many years later when it came to a head one day when I was going hunting and she kind of threw her toys out of the cot. But um, I had to explain to her, I said, look, it's not about you and me leaving you. It's about me needing to recharge my batteries because mm. driving around Auckland and fixing people's cars and dealing with the public all the time, there was times that I need my inner, inner self to be recharged. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, and by doing that, I don't hunt with my friends. We stay in the same hut, but I never hunt with another person. I'm always on my own. Yeah. And so that's, that's a challenge that I really enjoy. Because if you go here, you've got to be able to get back to the hut. Yeah. And one particular memory was the cloud came down and I thought, oh, heck, I'm about five or six kilometres away from from the hut and I've got no idea exactly where I am because mm. I was hunting without mm. worrying about my position. And I said, well, Lord, what's going on here? I said, I've got no idea how to get back. And kind of within minutes of that, Suddenly the cloud lifted for about a minute and I recognised a piece of you know land and I thought with a clay bank on it, I go, oh, I know where I am. 
Oh, it's awesome. And I, so I set my compass yeah. and I followed that compass and, until I, I reached somewhere that I, I knew exactly where I was and then crossed a couple of streams and then up the hill to the hut again and home safe, you know. Yeah. That's the sort of stuff. And, yeah. You know, God answers prayers. I know this, you know. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's really awesome. Um, I think it's definitely really important for us to know when – what we need and when we need it. And I think it's awesome that you're able to identify that you needed to recharge your batteries. It took a while to actually, to voice it. I didn't realize until the crunch came when she says, I don't want you to go. And I'm thinking, why do I want to go? Yeah. And it suddenly dawned on me, okay, this is for for me to recharge Mm. my battery. And it means that you can, you you get the space that you need and you can come back to life. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Come I'm a different back, person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm a different person when I come back because yeah. when you're self reliant and you're carrying your pack on your back mm. and your rifle, um, there's no cell phones, there's no roads, there's no mm. traffic lights, there's no doors to open, and you have to go by your own kind of mind and a map to know where you're going and find your way home at the end of the day. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's awesome. Well, I could say something as well, but I mean, yeah, you you can't see me, I know, but um, when I was nineteen years old, I was a mechanic in a workshop, and I had my hands in a tin of white spirits, and I'd been washing engine parts, and I flicked a switch off on the wall, and the arc of the switch ignited the white spirits that mm. I had my hands in, and my overalls were covered in it, and so I had um, yeah a serious burns accident where I've lost fingers and kind of you know and. Lot of disfigurement, but um, but I've never let it get me down. You know, it's probably driven me harder into kind of mm. adventures because of what I've been through in there. Yeah, yeah. Well, thanks for sharing that. Mm. That's a very personal story, I'm sure. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. Um, have you ever found that it sort of set you back with, um, I suppose, having less movement in your hands? And well, let's put it this way: yeah, there are. You know, my hands are kind of. A lot more difficult to use, mm. and but then I found that there's always a way around things, mm. and um, so if I can't do something, then I then I have a tool that I can make do something yeah. for me. Yeah, you know what I mean, that sort of thing. So there's always a way around. You know, yeah, just uh, you just don't curl up and die. You know what I mean? You just you just there's a way around everything. Yeah, yeah. and it definitely hasn't held you back. I mean, you were yeah, probably to be harder. a mechanic for another thirty years. Um, still had awesome adventures. Built this house. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Do you have any advice for other people that might want to get into the outdoors more or adventure and rough it a little bit more? Where Where should people sort of start if they want to have adventures like yours? Well, as as you said earlier, the the Tiaraha Trail, you know, that Mm. sort of stuff. You can do sections of that and stop and start when it suits you. Yeah. And you're still not far from from people, but you still get the isolation Mm. and the lonely bits. And um, it's character building. Yeah. It's really character building. Yeah. I suppose you could throw yourself in the deep end and decide to walk across the island. <laughs> a lot of people do, yeah. A lot of yeah, a lot of people kind of throw themselves in the deep end and yeah. then do something that they're outside their, their their comfort zone. Yeah. Well that's awesome. Well thank you so much for your time this evening. Um for having us in your house and for sharing um all your incredible stories. Um do you have any sort of parting words? 
yeah, I've got to find time to write a book now. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> you can yeah. always do an audio book. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what I will say is that New Zealand is a fabulous place. Mm, it's just a giant playground, To get playground, out there and kind of adventure yeah. and do life. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it always blows me away how we've got the beaches, the bush, the mountains, and they're That's all right. so close together. And it's all and compact. You would have seen all of them while you walked across the North Island. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. Well, thank you. Cool. Well, thank you. I thoroughly enjoyed sitting down with Russell to hear about his adventures around the country. I'm inspired by his resilience and love his words. There's always a way around. Despite his burn accident as a teenager, Russell hasn't let that stop him from exploring New Zealand, the world, and getting to share his love for nature with his whānau as well. I hope that one day he writes a book or at least records an audiobook so we can hear more of his incredible stories. Thank you so much for tuning in and coming along for the ride. If you love the show and enjoyed listening, please take the time to leave a review on Apple or Spotify. I would also love to connect with you, so send me a DM on Instagram or leave me a voice message, and I can't wait to see you next time. Until then, keep adventuring.